What's going on, everybody? It's been a minute since Flyer and Ice has had your traditional show format. And today we're going to have a traditional show format. We are very lucky to be joined by the great OHL, USHL scout, Matt Moran. Matt, thank you for joining Flyer and Ice. We really appreciate it. Yeah, good to be back, guys. Thanks for having me. And with us, as always, is Nick Tosti. And before we get started, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, tap that bell, and you'll be triggered to all our wonderful programming. Now, this is the eve, essentially, of the 2022 NHL draft. And uh, I guess, fortunately, the Flyers are a top-five pick. But unfortunately, the Flyers were a top-five pick because they had probably the most horrific year in their history. So, Matt, what is your overall take of this draft we remember the 2015 eichel mcdavid draft or i should say the mcdavid eichel draft next year's draft with bedard mitch Kov, and fantilli supposedly was going to be a special draft is this draft um average a little above average where do you where do you think it ranks you know i'd say talking to friends around the league relative to other years it's certainly more on the average side um, there's always going to be a couple of really good players that maybe not everyone's eyeing in the top, you know, five ten or, or in the lottery that'll emerge and be, you know, franchise cornerstones. Um, but you know, that said, it's average for everyone, right? So it's it's a level playing field for all 32 teams, and you know, it's on their development staffs and scouting staffs to turn these guys into into bona fide NHL players. But it, it certainly lacks the star power. Um, or maybe the immediate day one impact star power that some of the other, you know, the Eichel McDavid draft, certainly the Bedard draft next year, you know, has. So um, a little bit more muted excitement around the league than, than, than in other drafts past. Matt, let's, uh, let's get to some juicy stuff here before Dan puts up the top 10 projected players. Yeah. Uh, what, what is any doubt? And I think there is in your mind that Shane Wright goes number one. Yeah, it's certainly uh, picking up steam that he may no longer be the consensus, you know, number one guy to Montreal. They're doing their work. They've got a brand new management group there, right, with Kent Hughes um, and Jeff Gordon taking over midseason. Um, you know, Wright's been under the microscope since his underage years, an exceptional status player in the OHL. And, you know, those guys always just get viewed a lot more because they're in, you know, they're in the limelight longer. Um, and to maybe make a Flyers tie – you know, quickly off the top here, not that he was an exceptional status player, but Sean Couturier, the year before his draft in 2011, I think, was projected to be, you know, one or two. And he was a late birthday and so had that extra year of, you know, kind of professional scrutiny. And I think he fell to eight or nine. And if you were going to go and do a redraft of, of that one, he's probably a top five pick. And so, um, you know, Shane certainly been under the microscope a long time, but the guys that are nipping out his heels, Uri Slavkowski and Logan Cooley, have earned the right to be in the conversation just as much as Shane has maybe played his way out of it. Um, you know, and so what I've been hearing is that people are indicating that Montreal is going to take Slavkovsky and, um, you know, we'll see where the dominoes go from there, right? All it takes is one team to not have right number two. Maybe New Jersey holds the pick. Maybe they don't. You know, he could be, uh, he could be sitting around for longer than he, he hopes. Now, Matt, if you were the general manager of any team, yeah. Do you go with the best player on your board or the best player at a position of need if the skill difference is minimal? I'm going best player every time. Um, you know, position is tougher. Things change, you know, throughout the course of a season. Someone gets hurt. Someone becomes available that you never thought was available. Um, 
my job as a manager is to put the best players in our organization, uh, regardless of where they fit, we'll find room for them if they're meant to be, you know, you know, kind of in the mix. And so I'm going best player available, but again, that's different for every team. And someone that looks at, you know, Shane Wright says he's the best, probably looks at the game differently than someone who thinks Slavkowski or Cooley is the best quote unquote. So um, it's an, it's just an interesting dynamic. And some teams don't think that way. A lot of people are saying we're only taking a D in the first round. Right. And so it's easy to manage around their picks. Right. Knowing that, you know, two thirds of the board is off the table. I'm going to real quick before Nick jumps in, I'm going to put the um, projected top 10 up just so our audience can take a look and uh, might help Nick with his next question. Hold on here. So, Matt, it. it yeah. Say say that Montreal does not take Shane Wright and they go with Slavkowski. Yeah. Slavkowski. Who do you think would 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 uh, go second in, in this draft? That's a good question. You know, I I think Slavkowski fits Montre what Montreal wants to do. Um, you know, maybe better than than Wright does. He's a big prototypical. I mean, look how Colorado won the Stanley Cup. A big team that can skate and has skill. Slavkowski lit it up at the Olympics. Played with men all year. Had a great World Championship. I think. For a team that's in total rebuild, he fits now. Shane Wright's a great player. He's going to play in the league a long time. New Jersey's kind of in a rebuild as well. They've got some real star power there with Jack Hughes and Luke Hughes' brothers coming. Jesper Bratt had 70-something mm -hmm. points this year. Should have been an all-star. He's an amazing player. Um, you know, I can see him going it too. But, you know, who's to say New Jersey keeps the pick, right? Someone loves Shane Wright and jumps up and grabs him. Or someone loves Cooley. You know, it, it, it's hard to say, but um, I could certainly see Shane fitting anywhere across the board, two, three, four, five. Um, I doubt he gets past four, uh, past Seattle if he's available, but, um, you know, hard, hard to say. Now, my next question, Matt, is um, it, it's twofold. Obviously, based on the conversations we've had thus far, it seems as if the top five in particular, maybe the top six are interchangeable, depending yeah. on the team. But yeah. I want you to talk specifically about the top two defensemen in this draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, two big Euros. There's a lot of interest in in both, um, you know, with full seasons over there, um, you know, no COVID restrictions. You know, you had full eyes on, you know, kind of all over. Uh, David Juracek, I'm probably butchering that name. I mean, how many 6'4", big right-hand shot defensemen that can move like he can become available to you, right? And I've heard from guys that are at teams in the middle of the stack that they would be willing to give up a lot to move up to be in a position to take a player of his caliber. Um, I don't know who has his CHL rights, if he even has them, but I think he can play in the NHL next year, probably. Um, he's kind of like an Alex Petrangelo type player, um, carries the mail, can kind of do it all, defends. Um, you know, he's an impact, you know, kind of right away guy. He's got a lot of skill uh, for someone that size and, you know, any team's thrilled to add a player of that caliber plus right-handed shot it's it's a home run and i think I mean, you've got him here at five i think if he's there in philly's you know he's a guy that the flyers take a swing on people are pumped people are pumped for sure um you know nemec is also a right shot a little bit smaller um probably a little bit more well-rounded game he's got a really high hockey iq um you know solid defensively good skill just reliable um, I don't think he has the dynamic element that Juracek has. 
Um, but you know, someone's going to be happy to to grab him as well. I'd say your check has a higher ceiling. Nemec's maybe a little bit more safe. Matt, on this on this graphic here, we have uh, Cutter Gauthier going at six. Yeah. Do you, do you see that possibly? Um, how, how do you see shaking up this top six and drop it, bringing him in, and who would you drop out? Yeah, I, I would. If I'm Philly and he's there, I'm I'm really interested. Um, he's a guy that a lot of teams are doing the work on right now to see if he can play center in the NHL. He played wing most of the year. He's a big kid, really tough, big, strong, sturdy player. Kind of has the the already ready NHL body. Um, he would certainly add an element that Philly desperately lacks today. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough call, and it goes back to Dan's original question on positioning, right? Do you take the best player available? Or are you taking the best player at a position of need? I would say, and I think you guys would agree, that Flyers need everything um, to kind of get out of where they are, um, and they have to get this pick right. I don't think it's a secret that they've drafted pretty poorly overall, um, you know, in the last little while um, outside of some of their, you know, impact first rounders. But, um, you know, I could see him moving into the five, probably in the place of Nemec. Um, right. You know, it's just based on what I'm hearing. If Slavkowski goes one, right and Cooley maybe interchangeable at two, three, neither of them get past four. And then it probably starts with Philly. So then you see a, uh, a four, five, six being anemic, um, Eurocheck, Gauthier mix. For sure. And, you know, interchangeable parts again. Some teams draft on need, some teams draft on skill. Maybe someone steps up and takes, you know, uh, Korczynski is getting a lot of chatter. Um, you know, I doubt he's a top five or six guy, but people are, you know, kind of doing diligence there. Um, but I think that four, five, and six goes in some order there. Damn, real quick. Um, so well, one guy I wanted to ask you about, Matt, and I know you've watched a lot of, of his play just because he was, you know, a U.S. player and, yeah. and he was product right, right in your wheelhouse is Matty Savoy. And yeah. what, what, where, where has he come and gone from to get to the point where he's actually projected as a top 10 player? Yeah, he was, um, he put on a show here at the world selects, which is kind of like the, the premier coming out party for the elite young players at the, you know, U15 age group across the world. Um, it, it's a great tournament here uh, in the Philly, New Jersey area. And he came as an underage with a Western Canadian team um, and just lit the tournament on fire. Him and Shane Wright went toe to toe. Um, you know, for the entire week, it was awesome. And if you had asked me three or four years ago, whenever it was, who would be higher now, I probably would have put my chips behind Savoy at the time, you know, a much more dynamic skater, tons of skill, straight line speed. Um, but he's tiny relative, right? He's, right. he's under six feet. He doesn't fit the prototypical, um, you know, kind of emerging rough and tumble, but big skilled NHL top six, top three forward. Um, but he's going to make a team really happy. He can play center. He can play the wing. Um, you know, he's had a great Western League career, really quiet, kind of under the radar, um, as under the radar as you can be being projected as a lottery pick. Um, someone's going to be thrilled to draft this guy. Um, you know, he's he, he's come a long way. His game continues to evolve. Um, I think he's got a ton of skill and certainly fits. You know, he probably needs a year or two longer um, to really be ready to play the role that he's capable of. But he's um, he's a stud. Now, real fast before our next question, I want to acknowledge our um, comment by Ryan. Ryan, thanks for checking in. He says the Flyers have to just draft with skating in mind. I'm going to summarize his long yeah. comment. Um, skating and um, aggression. Playing with um, 
aggressive style of play. That has been, like you said, the Flyers draft have been horrible. I mean, I'm not saying Isaac Ratcliffe isn't a future Flyer, but the Stroms and Ratcliffe's of the world came in as question mark with their skating. Even even some of their, you know, it seems like every top three pick they have, it's like question yeah, mark I mean, with their skating comes up. Even going back to like a Tyson Forster, who was a first rounder a couple of years ago, great player out of Barry, big kid, but he's not, you know, he's not a burner. And if you watch, you know, as much as we watch of that team and then you see how they lose games and who they lose to and what those teams go on to do, their biggest glaring weakness, in my opinion, is this is is their team speed or lack of team speed. Agreed. They have big skilled players. Uh, they do have some skilled guys who can move it. Uh, Farabee can skate pretty well. TK can skate. Scott Lawton's an elite skater. They don't have much um, in terms of guys that can really push the pace outside of that group or in the prospect base. Um, and so they need to get faster. They know that. They need to get more skill. Um, you know, they've certainly drafted a type for a long period of time. I don't think anyone was excited about Nolan Patrick skating when they took him at second overall. But you saw a big, heavy center that can play up and down the lineup. And it's unfortunate what's happened to him with his concussion history, you know, moving on to Vegas and not playing much this year. But they've got to nail this pick. And there has been some chatter out there that, you know, they're looking to address, um, you know, this skill and speed gap through a trade that would maybe cost them fifth overall. And I think everyone has seen the rumors around someone like Alex Debrinkat, um, you know, who can certainly come in and, and fill a need right away. And everyone's saying, well, is he worth, with only two more years of team control, is he worth the fifth overall pick who's 18 and is under your control for a long time? And, um, you know, my answer would be yes. You know, this is, this is Chuck Fletcher's probably last kick at the can, right? You've got a new coaching staff with John Tortorella that I'm sure we'll get into uh, in a little bit. But, um, you know, Chuck Fletcher's been a GM in this league for a really long time. And there's a lot of young emerging front office talent. I think you're going to see less and less recycled GMs go through the league. And he's hitching his wagon to a proven coach who gets a lot out of players. And this may be his last chance to be a GM ever if he doesn't get it right here. And so, you know, you've got to do the right thing by the organization. But if I'm in his shoes, um, I'm trading for a guy that can help us win and make the playoffs now versus hoping Gauthier goes to college or whoever they take is one or two years out and keeps developing. Well, you just checked off one of the questions on our list, so that one's done. <laughs> one right. of them was your thoughts. No, it's okay. <laughs> one of them was the your out. thoughts on trading a number five in a package yeah. for Alex to bring it. So I think it makes it. I think it makes a ton yeah. of sense. And I know they've had conversations elsewhere um, for guys that maybe have a little bit more term on their deal. That team control is really important to them. Their cap situation's not the most desirable. I think everybody was really excited for, not excited to see Claude Giroux go, but excited for that relief coming off without maybe realizing that Couturier and Farabee's extensions kick in this year and eat up every dollar of that space for the most part. So, um, you know, they're really not dealing with an extra eight million bucks to go get a player. They've got to make real significant changes to add guys to the mix. Um, and, you know, five plus plus is certainly a start. Um, but you've got to find someone on a team-friendly deal that can come in and and and, and play right away. And that's the thing with, with, with we'll get to down the road. Some of the free agent um, pipe dreams you see out there, it's like, how can you afford these guys, people? So right. um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. What I'd like to do, if, if you don't mind, you yeah. see, uh, this isn't necessarily my draft board. I just want to give credit where credit's due. It's myNHLdraft.com. Okay. I pulled up a few uh, mocks, and this one 
I liked a lot. So um, this is um, MyNHLDraft.com's top 10. Um, before I, you give us your top 10, how you see it, if you were, if you were doing the mock, give me your thoughts real fast. One of my favorite players in this draft that um, prior to all the mocks coming up that I really wanted the Flyers to target, and I realize now it's probably um, he's probably a, a little bit of a risk, is Joachim Kemmel. I'm yeah. a huge fan of his. I think he's very crafty, very, great hands, great speed. Size is his only issue. Talk yeah. to me about Joachim Kemmel before you give us your draft board. Yeah, I mean, he can really he can really move. He can play in the top part of your lineup for sure. Probably needs a little bit of time just to physically develop. Um, but, I mean, he played for Finland's U18 team as a 16-year-old. Um, you know, right wingers are hard to find. Good ones are, are, are hard to find. Um, he's a great passer, but he can really shoot the puck. Um, you know, I think Flyers fans would probably agree that the lack of a real trigger man is is – beyond frustration, um, you know, watching them zip it around on the power play. No one really wants to be the guy to, to kind of to pull the trigger and um, hit one of his best assets that he brings to the table is his shot. Um, and it's not only his shot, but his willingness to kind of take it from anywhere. And so he certainly fills a lot of gaps. He'd be a nice injection of skill. Um, and he's a guy that maybe someone steps up for. Or, you know, I think there's – I don't have the board right in front of me, but I think there's multiple teams with like two or three firsts. And so as guys that are sitting with multiples in the 20s, watch the cards flip, maybe two picks become one and move up and get a guy like that who's got a really special weapon, um, you know, versus letting the board fall back to them. Matt, we, we've done a couple of prospect shows where um, we've been high on, on some of the guys in the system. Um, and one of them I, well, who I'd like to get to uh, – other than the ones that are still in the system, um, was it was Connor McLennan and, and just kind of what went wrong there. But where do you see like a Forster or an Allison and Tuamala, Brink, Denoyer, Wisdom, like any of these guys um, ready to make the step this year? Um, and then, you know, to follow up with that, what, what happened to McLennan? Yeah, Denoyer had a great year. Um, it's just a matter of you got to make room for a guy like that, right? And I think if they, you know, a lot's going to hinge on what happens to Ryan Ellis and his cap hit and the mechanics of filling that hole. I think he's like six and a half, right? And I've heard different things about that situation that I, just, I wouldn't share because it's medical, right? And that's just not appropriate. But, um, you know, there's a question if he's going to be ready to start the season. Um, you know, I think if you – pay enough attention that bottom five six up front was kind of a cast of rotating characters right throughout the course of the year and that's certainly hard to mesh with as an everyday player right it takes a long time to build chemistry with someone when you're playing nine to twelve minutes a night and the parts are just moving you're just moving through the cycle and different line mates all the time um Denoye had a great year like i said it's you know maybe there's a chance but it depends on those guys creating space right if Chuck decides to swing for the fences and trade a Provorov to let Cam York step into that one role. Keith Yandel's gone, um, right? Then there's then there's room, and you see what you yeah, – at a certain point, you're going to have to see what your kids have, right? right? And on a team that's rebuilding with a coach that's won a cup and plays a hard style, this is a great opportunity to do that. The question is, is this group going to have enough time to see what they have, right, this management group? So – um, look, and on the prospect front, McLennan lit up the Western Hockey League. It's hard, you know. It's it's just it's hard. Some guys' games just don't translate, um, you know, to the style, and people get drafted by the wrong wrong being relative organization 
all the time. You're enamored by the skill or a scout pounds the table for you and new coach, new style just doesn't, doesn't fit the bill. I don't know where he stands in terms of American league next year or, or, or what, but you, you rarely hear his name. Um, I think he's re- he's he he didn't resign him. I believe he's eligible for this draft again. For, right? Is he eligible again? I think he is. Yeah, yeah so I think he, he went. I think he went back in. Um, yeah, it, it could be style. It could be a bunch of stuff. They have a great Western scout um, who's been there for a while, but um, you know he he certainly he certainly had the chance to prove himself and had a great year statistically. I just don't know what their plans are. You know, for him and a guy like Forrester. First round pick is going to get every chance in the world to play, and he hasn't really had the chance to prove it yet, right? Yeah, it's hard with these OHL kids. Even going back to this draft with Shane Wright and some of these other guys, they lost a whole season. They were the only league that didn't play at all during COVID. The Western League and the Quebec League got games at least. Ontario shut it down, so you lose a year of development. Um, there's a lot of players in here that are being picked, you know, after one year when it should be two, which is hard. How do you how do you benchmark them, right? Um, so Forrester is going to have every chance to, to prove that he can do it. Wisdom, the same thing. But, um, you know, it's just how patient are they going to be because it's clear that it's a win-now mentality. But I could see Denoye probably making it first out of that group that you just mentioned. Yeah. So, Matt, do, uh, do you want to go through the exercise of uh, seeing how this draft board compares to what you have on your top? Let's go top seven. Yeah, team. that works. I mean, I can kind of use a, you know, based on stuff you're hearing versus, you know, Gen Pop maybe reading reading boards. Um, I would say I would have Mont- if assuming no one trades picks, right? I would say Montreal takes Slavkovsky at one. Um, New Jersey probably takes right at two. I would say Cooley would be a no-brainer to Arizona, but for the fact that I believe they are enamored with size. And he's a small – we didn't really talk much about Logan. He is a as dynamic of a player as you'll find. We watched him a ton in his U15 and 16 years. He's from Pittsburgh um, and played up as a U15 and 16. Was has always been dynamic. Um, never a doubt he was going to be, you know, kind of where he is now. Decommitted committed Notre Dame early. Decommit. I think he's going to Michigan or Minnesota. Um, he's probably a one-and-done player in college. He would be a no-brainer in Arizona uh, from a skill and kind of all-out perspective. I've just heard that they're enamored with other attributes of players, right? And so you could see a Juracek there um, or a Gautier there. Um, but if I'm forced to make a call, I would say skill wins out, and I'll take Cooley at three. Um, him and Keller would be a pretty dynamic pair um, for a team that really doesn't have much. Um, I would say Juracek probably four to Seattle, Gauthier five to Philly, and then Nemec at who's, who has six, Columbus from the Seth Jones trade. So yeah. Chicago swings and misses there. Um, put Nemec there, I think is what I said. Um, and then Ottawa, they might trade out from what we're hearing, but, you know, say Kemmel or – I would put Kemmel or Savoy there. That's uh, I can see someone reaching for support. Um, so pretty close. Again, it's 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 a crapshoot after the first three. There's guys people love, um, and there's guys that are are heated debates. You know, kind of right out of the gate. You don't see a lot of Russians up here, right? Mm-hmm. With all the stuff that's going on, um, there's a lot of Russian talent. Maroshnichenko obviously had a bad. You know, he was sidelined with a health issue this year. He could have been a dynamic you know, top of the draft player 
Um, that's just not, you know, I don't think anyone's willing to take a gamble on someone like that. Or you look at someone from the U.S. program like a Frank Nazar, who is just as skilled as, as a Cooley and super dynamic, but he's five foot nine if you love him. Right. And so how do you how do you take a swing on that? I've seen boards that have him in the low 20s and I've seen other guys that have him in the top 10. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I think the draft really starts at, at, at three, uh, three or four, which will be exciting. Now, you 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 referenced earlier um, torts coming in and a coaching. Yeah. A whole new coaching staff. Um, one of our biggest complaints with Vigneault um, was he did not cater to young players, did not develop young players. Yep. What do you know about John Tortorella's um, mindset towards younger players? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's a guy that wants to win at all costs. You can see it in, you know, how he talks to the media, how he talks and protects his players publicly. Um, you know, that's a guy that people want to go to war for. He's won a Stanley Cup. He pulled off maybe one of the greatest upsets in modern NHL playoff history with that Columbus Blue Jackets team sweeping that absolutely loaded Tampa team before they went on that dynastic run of theirs. Um, guys like playing for him, right? It's a lot of the chatter around was that, oh, if you hire Tortorella, you're not going to be able to attract high-end free agents because he's a hard ass, right? And people, you know, guys that are making that much money want to play in a country club. And, uh, you know, everyone I've talked to after the hire has been pretty excited um, other than being worried about his training camps which are notoriously difficult, but this is a team that has started slow out of the gate for how many years in a row, right? Um, you know, and then they kind of never get going and you sputter and it's hard to get excited or hard to get any momentum and they go on these big losing streaks and um, it's just kind of lather, rinse, repeat. And so I think they've already announced Brad Shaw's coming in as an associate or an assistant coach. He's one of the best penalty killing minds in the league in a long time. That Columbus penalty kill that year they beat Tampa was like elite, elite. I think they set records in the playoffs, like unbelievable. That used to be a really strong suit of the Flyers. They were no, like just hellacious penalty killers, right? Tenacious. And that's fallen by the way. Their special teams have just been a disaster for years. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's definitely a new injection. I, I've heard guys are excited. He had Cam Atkinson in Columbus who spoke, you know, loves them. Um, and there's a bunch of free agents that I've heard are not averse to playing for a guy like him. Um, you know, it's easy to go out and hire a Barry Trotz or if you can get them or, you know, one of these guys. Torts is a tougher sell to a fan base that's dying for a winner. And like I said prior, this might be Chuck's last chance ever as a manager, right? And so, hey, Jim Montgomery, great redemption story, or do you go hire a Kirk Muller or give someone their first chance like Hexy did with Hackstall? Chuck doesn't have that luxury. So he's kind of hitching his career on a proven winner, um, you know, in Tortorella. And he's going to demand a lot of his players and he's going to hold them accountable. I don't know if AV was the best at holding guys accountable for mailing it in. And you saw a lot of mail-ins, um, you know, when stuff was bad here uh, for a long time. And that that's certainly going to change. Well, Matt, uh, on behalf of Nick, we really appreciate you joining us. This is uh... – it was needed. We have uh, the draft tomorrow, and uh, as soon as it's over, we are going to replay the show and see how accurate we all were. But ladies yeah, and gentlemen, make sure you tune in on Friday. I got Pete Judge coming on for oh, uh, help Pete to Judge. help us with the uh, recap. Yeah, Pete Judge record, nice. Well, take Pete it easy Judge, on baby. my uh, he's the best. Take it easy on my mock draft, and hopefully, um, <laughs> hopefully, everyone's excited and 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 the Flyers are able to get uh, a good player. I think it's going to be a an exciting first round. I think there's a ton of free agent activity out there. 
Um, you might see some guys get their rights traded for high picks um, or, you know, medium level picks to, you know, make an impact right away. And there's a lot of teams with multiples that, that would want to move up. And like you said before, this isn't the best draft of all time. So there's a lot of chunkiness in that middle part of the first round and all it takes is one team to fall in love. Right. So I, I think we're in for a, a fast and furious Thursday evening. Real fast though. I, I, I did yeah. forget this one question. No problem. Um, Aside from the Russians who you just, you know, yeah. you know, mentioned that with, with the whole climate, you know, that, that could be an issue. But are there any sleepers that you see that we haven't really discussed that could really make an impact in this draft? Like sleeper first rounders or guys like way late? Um, combination, like a late first round pick, like the um, yeah, Matthew, a guy, Bar- Matthew Barzell of this draft. Yeah, there's a guy out in Winnipeg in the Western League, Connor Geeky is his name, who is one of the more divisive, uh, in a good way, divisive um, players in this draft. There's people that have him super high tennis area. Um, he's huge. He's like 6'4", two bills, big left shot. Um, not sure what his ceiling is, but he's got all the elements, you know, the intangibles of, again, the modern-day NHL player. Um, great hands, decent skill, can play for a long time. Some people don't have him in the first round and other guys have him, you know, decently high, you know, up, 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 up in one. So he could be a steal in the right spot. Um, there's a couple, you know, later round guys that people will take flyers on. There's a local kid here, Kenny Connors, uh, who's going to UMass next year. He played out in the USHL this season, uh, who plays really, really hard. He kind of reminds uh, me of Owen McLaughlin, who the flyers took in the seventh round last year. Uh, who's going to North Dakota next year, who's going to be um, going to really have a chance to play. Uh, Kenny's an awesome player. Um, there's a kid in Sudbury who played on the same Pittsburgh team as Logan Cooley named Evan Conian, who played in the OHL this year as a rookie for Sudbury, had 50-something points in like 60 games. You don't hear his name much, but he's going to score a million in the OHL and someone's going to take a chance on him. And in a draft like this, super late, you know, you know, why not? But he's a guy that's getting some attention for sure. And then there's uh, a great player who's Chicago steel property, Zam plant um, that, that guys are, are, are super high on. He's probably a mid round pick and um, you know, somewhere. Where's he from up. Matt? Where's he Minnesota. from? Minnesota. Okay. Zam's from Minnesota. Uh, I think he's going to Min- either Minnesota or North Dakota. I think. Where did um, he play his club, his club hockey or was he just uh, high school in, kid? in Chicago in the USHL? Oh, okay. Um, Oh yeah, but you so say you said going to steel. He's going to be playing. For yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. He's at the steel now, I believe. Okay. Um, or you know, split with the steel, and so he's um, he's a name to keep an eye on too. Small player, but like off the charts dynamic, right? And so it's funny you see the five years ago. Hey, size doesn't matter anymore. It's all about speed and skill, right? And then you watch Washington win the cup in 2018 with the biggest, meanest team out there, but a ton of skill and speed too. And then Tampa does what they do, and that Colorado team this year was something else, right? I mean, I don't, they were so bad for so long. And I think that that's another, you know, great component of where the Flyers are is like, you can't build a winner overnight organically. And um, if you look at the roster that Colorado won the Stanley Cup with, their drafting record outside of the first round is horrendous. They did not have a homegrown draft pick on that cup winning team outside of round one, right? Yeah. So you got to pick high. I mean, they had McKinnon first overall, Byron was fourth. New Hook was 12th or 16th. Um, uh, uh, Kel McCarr at four, who's a generational player. Um, you know, five, he's won a 
Division One National Championship, a Hobie Baker, a Norris Trophy, a Conn Smythe, and a Stanley Cup at the age of 23. Um, and went two picks after the Flyers took Nolan Patrick. Right. So, we're aware. Yeah, we're aware. Colorado has nailed the first round, but has missed on everything below that, right? And they won a Stanley Cup with an average at best goaltender, but they've nailed their pro scouting and their and their first round drafting. And so um, you can't rebuild a team like that overnight. Um, but that's the model now. So it went from big, heavy, hard to then speed and skill and size doesn't matter to now it's a combination of both. And so, um, you know, just it throws around the evaluation criteria like crazy. Um, Real real fast. And again, uh, you know, we were supposed to end the show, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) Nick and I uh, almost two years ago were were, when when this when we started Flyer and Ice, we were kind of during our shows referencing the Rangers are going to be good, ladies and gentlemen. We really like what the Rangers have. And I I was always, you know, Shesterkin. He was, he's my favorite goalie in the league. He's like a, yeah. a modern-day Bob, but bigger, with those telescopic legs. Modern so day, I, I said the Rangers are coming. And I also contend the Senators and the Red Wings are coming. And I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but that's how the Flyers need to build a team. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, the Rangers, like three or four years ago, sent a letter to their season ticket holders architecting a rebuild, right? They prematurely fired their general manager, in my opinion. No doubt about it. And and, And Chris Drury was ready, and he was going to get a job at some point, but those guys two years after that letter went out, right? And look, they got a little bit like they won the lottery, right? Getting a player like Lafreniere, who's not – but he didn't set the world on fire, so he's not nearly what he yeah. will be, right? Okay. It's hard getting he played. He's a late birthday, so he had three years in the Quebec League. More eyes on him than normal. Averages draft, tons of hype. Broadway, MSG, forty-one nights a year, hard, right? Living in the city. Um, but Adam Fox architects a trade to, if you recall that tree, Calgary to Carolina. Won't leave school. Rangers take him. Guess what? I'm out of here. That wins a Norris Trophy, right? Artemi Panarin home run free agent signing, right? Everyone was like, oh, well, Chris Kreider's obviously going to get traded. Well, hmm. why? Just because you're rebuilding? He's a great player. Scores 50 this year, right? Sturkin and net, unbelievable, right? And that team was – that run was awesome. Give – Flyers fans would be thrilled with the Rangers run in two years, right? Kind of an oh. out-of-nowhere run of the Eastern Conference Final, and they've hit on some trades too. Andrew Kopp was an amazing addition from Winnipeg at the trade deadline. And I don't know – He's a guy, if I was a Flyers fan, I would keep an eye out for. I don't know if the Rangers are going to be able to afford him. He's probably going to command five and change. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're a team with a bunch of glaring holes like the Flyers are, he's a guy that makes a lot of sense and you make room for someone like him. But that trade was a home run. They traded for Frankie Vetrano from Florida, right, who kind of got boxed out there because they brought they knew they were going to bring in Giroux and had to clear space, and he had a great impact on the Rangers. And so these guys that you – What's that? Zabanajad. Zabanajad is unbelievable. These guys that nail pro scouting are are really the cream of the crop, right? And there's trades that aren't super splashy, and then there's trades that you know, like who would have been, who would have thought in March or April, whenever the deadline was, that Colorado getting Andrew Cogliano from San Jose for whatever they paid for him was going to be a critical component to winning. And that guy Man. was an unbelievable warrior during the playoffs, right? And Lekkonen was an unbelievable trade. These guys nail it. And it's not the headline flashy superstar. And someone's going to go out there and pay for JT Miller from Vancouver. And he's unbelievable, but you got to sign him as well. And he's going to make 9 million bucks and he's older. 
so you're stuck with them. But the Rangers kind of did it the right way, but they got lucky too, right? And they nailed on some draft picks and they missed on a couple. But K. Andre Miller being on your second mm-hmm. pair, first round superstar athlete is unbelievable. And he's, real- he's a superstar player, but he's a big, big, heavy yeah. guy that can grind. He plays a ton, right? He's harder to play against. And find me him. What's his equivalent on the Flyers? Wasn't he? Tell me. Tell me if I'm wrong, Matt. We we did a draft redo. Um, yeah. It was one of our favorite shows, Nick and I did. And wasn't Keandre Miller taken after Jay O'Brien? Keandre Miller was taken after Jay O'Brien. Yeah, so that, that killed me when we when I, I, I believe. Andre Miller was like the fifth defenseman taken in that draft, too. I had Darlene to Buffalo, Quinn Hughes, Boquist, Evan Bouchard, Noah Dobson, Ty Smith. Wow. Uh, and then... Ryan Merkley to San Jose, you played 38 games, and then K. Andre Miller, right? So it just goes to show you. But he's he was at NTDP in Wisconsin, yeah. and hey, if you're you watch these teams build their grids, right? They build an overall list, but it's populated by position, right? And so in a draft that was deep with defensemen like that one was, if he's seventh or eighth on your D board, how is he going to climb higher than where he went on your overall grid, right? That's why those cross grids exist. And so um, it's, it, you know, it's always easy in the rearview mirror, but he's a dynamic middle of the lineup player that impacts the game and has a material impact to winning. And they've done it early. And I think Ottawa, Ottawa says they've been close forever, right? Or it always feels like they're close forever. They just bought out Colin White, which was a bad, long contract. And um, but they've got some young, good players coming. Shane Pento is finally healthy. He's going to be a real impact player there this year um and they've got good young players there kachuk's unbelievable um you know some good young guys on the back end and but they built through the draft because they're not signing free agents i think philly can do a combination of both um because it's an attractive place to play and they're going to spend money to win and i would say there are things that this management group has wanted to do that have been shot down by the higher ups because they're not willing to kind of cycle again and rip it down to the studs like the Rangers did um, or like Detroit is going to do now. Detroit's going to be bad for a little bit longer, I think. Um, but New Zealand's a great hire behind the bench, won two Stanley Cups. Um, Maurice Sider is one of the best players in the league already. He's 21 or however old he is. Um, Dylan Larkin needs to get re-signed, but they've got everything. And it's a great blue, it's a great blueprint. And Steve Eisenman built those Stanley Cup teams in Toronto and Tampa, even though he didn't get to hoist it with them. Right. He was the architect of of that, right? And Julian Brisebois is amazing. But you know, Steve's gonna do it again in Detroit, no doubt. So that's a great, that's a great comp by you, Dan, to say, can this team architect in that way? Probably. Let's hope. So again, this is the official ending of the show. Yeah, sorry. I have, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm the one I'm the one that threw the questions out at you. It popped in my yeah. head. I have nothing left in the tank up here. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of Nick, I am Dan Green. We are Flyer and Ice. And again, as Nick said, we will be back on Friday post-draft with Pete Judge. Pete Judge Records. Gentlemen. Pete Judge Records, yep. All right. Enjoy the draft, and we'll be back very soon. Take care, everyone.